0: Happy Mother's Day! You don't have to say it back to me. I'm not a mom. I tricked you off for a second. Y'all just going with it. It is so good to to see you to be here today. We're going to be continuing in John chapter eight, starting in verse twelve. Um, man, I just want to say this, man. Today is uh, is a fun day for so many for so many people. It's such a day of of celebration and honoring. and We just want to honor all of our our moms here today. We hope that you feel celebrated and loved, and um, we know that today can, as as much as it is a great day for some people, for some people it's a tough day. And so, I, I just want to say this, man. If if you're here today, and and today is a more of a painful day for you than it is a a day of rejoicing, I just want to say that that we. Um, we love you, we walk with you, we want to be beside you and encourage you and lift you up and, uh, and just we want to be there with you and for you um, because we know that sometimes there's, there's some tough things that come along with this day as, as well as some, some great celebration. Even for some of us, it might be both. It might be um, celebrating a, a mom that we love but also mourning a mom that, that we've lost. And so um, I just want to say, man, if that's you today, we love you and we want to walk with you and we pray for healing and hope and encouragement uh, for you. Um for, um for all of our mothers that are here today, we want to say that we celebrate you and we're so thankful for you. We know that there's a lot of moms in here who had their first child this year. We had the what we call the baby apocalypse hit this summer, and we had, it felt like about 30 babies born. We know it wasn't that many, but it felt like that. And so so there's a lot of us in here that are celebrating their first Mother's Day, and so we just want to celebrate you. Um, to those of you who, uh, to who are moms, we just want to say, man, you are brave souls, and we are thankful for you, um, that you're in the trenches with the little ones every day. You wear the badges of stains and um, food and smells that you're not quite sure what it is. Um, we're thankful for you. We're better for having you here with us. And we just want to say to all of our moms here on this Mother's Day, we, we want to walk with you. We know that mothering is not for the faint of heart and that you are a real warrior that we have in our midst. And so we appreciate you. We're better for having you here with us. So thank you for all that you do and really teaching us a heck of a whole lot. Uh, I got my, The card I'm giving my mom says... Uh, I Probably shouldn't tell you all this. It says, "Man, it says you must be a great mom." And you open it, it says, "Because look how awesome I turned out." And so she's. Uh, I showed it to Katie, and she goes, "That definitely covers your relationship with your mom." So, um, anyways, I just want to say that this morning we're so thankful that you're here. So let's let's pray before we jump in. Father, I love you. Thank you so much for who you are. Thank you that um for all of the the special. Uh, uh, moms in our lives, even whether they're biological moms or spiritual moms or just women who have influenced our lives. Father, thank you so much that you uh, use and move and and just show such strength uh, in these people. God, we're so thankful for their impact in our lives. God, I pray that you would bless them and encourage them this morning. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We're gonna be in John chapter 8, starting in verse 12, and they're giving me a hard time this morning because I'm only using one verse. They're like, What kind of pastor are you? I'm usually give you a book, so we're just gonna use one verse today. It says, Then Jesus spoke to them again. I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Since I'm only using one one verse, I'm gonna repeat it. Then Jesus spoke to them again, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness will have the light of life. How many of us in here today would agree that light is a good thing? We like light, right? I, I remember being a kid, uh, one thing that I needed every night, and don't make fun of me, was I needed that nightlight. And for us, it wasn't so much a nightlight as my, my parents would like leave the door cracked with the hallway light on. And it just made, us, made me feel safe. And I was thinking about this there, when I was a kid, like seven or eight, or 17, I don't know which one it was, but one of those, uh, we, we were staying at my grandparents' house. And my grandparents live in the country. And for you city folk, y'all might not know this, but the country's a little bit different than the city. Like, it gets really dark at night. (laughs) And so one cool thing is you can see the stars, which is pretty neat. But uh, anyway, so I I remember we would always make pallets at night and we'd sleep in the living room. So I remember making a pallet when I was a kid and sleeping in there. And I remember waking up one night and I woke up and was like, I was terrified. Like this deep fear came over me because I remember holding my hand up in front of, or at least what I thought was in front of my face and not being able to see it. <laughs> and I remember, I remember thinking like, am I dead? Like what's happening? Like, I mean, as a kid, I'm, I'm losing my mind. I'm going, what is, what's going on here? And I remember like seriously hyperventilating, getting scared and then seeing this beautiful thing out of the corner of my eyes. And it was 12 o'clock blinking 12 o'clock, 12 o'clock, 12 o'clock, 12 o'clock. I was so thankful that my grandmother did not know how to set a VCR, right? And so I turn, and I'm for, for you younger folk, that's, that's a DVD player in the old days, right? And so anyways, so I was so thankful that she didn't notice because I, I turned, and it was like my saving grace, that thing blinking 12, 12, 12. And I remember looking at that, and, and you laugh, but I'm like, okay, I'm not dead. <laughs> like That was really my thought, I was like, I'm, a, I'm alive, okay, good, all right, okay. And I... I genuinely remember watching that, that, that light blink and just fixating on it because it made me feel safe and just fixating on it until I fell asleep and woke up. And every time I see, because I don't see them anymore, but whenever I'd see a VCR, or see that, it always throws me back. I always remember that story and how that light made me feel safe. Light is important. Light's important. And we see Jesus step up and he says this thing. He says, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And Jesus is speaking to this crowd of people and he's using this imagery of light and he's tr- he knows that they understand the importance of light. As a matter of fact, the Hebrew people not only understood that, hey, light's important, but light was a central, a key theme in the Jewish faith and the Jewish Religion, like it was something that described who God was. It was something that described the attributes of God. It was a way that they understood who God was. Like, for example, it was such a big theme. Uh, you guys probably know this one. Uh, in the beginning, you know, it, was, it says it was God and that He created the heavens and the earth, and the land was right void and formless, and the darkness covered the land. And so, God did what? He created, let's try that one more time. He created? Light. Good job. So, He created light. It was in the very beginning, this image of who God was, the creator of light, and darkness is seen as this bad thing that God comes in, creates light, and now there we can see the world. Light was a central theme to the Jewish faith. John 1.5, Joel preached about this when we opened up our series in John. The light shines in the darkness, and yet darkness did not overcome it. Exodus 13, we see God lead the Israelite people out of slavery using light. Psalm 27.1, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Psalm 119, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. John, the writer of this gospel, uses light, the phrase light, to describe who Jesus was, the works of Jesus, or the attributes of Jesus, 16 times in his writing. First John, God is the light, and in him there is no darkness. As Jesus steps up and says, I am the light of the world, he's speaking to a a Hebrew, a Jewish audience. And yeah, they know that light is important, but more than that, light, God being a light was a key attribute to how they saw the creator of the universe. And so for Jesus to step up and say, I am the light of the world, he's saying something important here. Not only that, there's something pretty cool going on. They're coming out of this thing called Feast of the Tabernacles, And what I love about Jesus is that he uses the physical to explain the spiritual so often. Like we saw it at the woman at the well in John chapter 4 when he he says, hey, I've got this water, and if you drink it, you'll never thirst again. Well, she said, give me that water, right? At Feast of the Tabernacles, they do this ceremony where they're crying out to God for water. They're crying out for nourishment from God. And Jesus steps up and says, if anyone is thirsty, come to me. If anyone is thirsty, come to me. And now he steps up and he's saying, I am the light of the world. And what's pretty cool is as they're closing out Feast of the Tabernacles, this would have been like the last night of it, there's this really cool thing happening behind Jesus. So at at the Feast of the Tabernacles uh, at night, they had these four large stands, right? these huge stands, and on each stand there was four bowls, so 16 bowls in total, right? So I have these sixteen huge bowls, and they were so tall that you had to get a ladder to climb up to, uh, to to use them. And so they would pour oil in them, and then they would use the Bible says that they would use the priest undergarments as the wick. I'm staying away from that one, right? So they would use the they would use the priest undergarments as the wick. And so they would light these bowls at night. And so what's really cool is legend has it, they said that that when these bowls were lit, when these sixteen bowls were lit, it would light up all of Jerusalem. Now that's a pretty cool picture when you think about this is a world where there's no light after dusk. Like the the biggest light you're going to have is the candle that you have in your house or the lamp that you're carrying around in your house. And so imagine this picture of all of Jerusalem being lit up by these 16 huge bowls, the flames coming out of them, lighting up the night sky and Jesus stepping up into that and saying, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus knows how to make things memorable, doesn't he? <laughs> Jesus knows how to say things for effect. I, w- I would imagine if I was one of the Hebrew people that, were s- that was standing there watching that scene, those words would be something I would never forget. That- I think that would be something that would stick with me Forever. Jesus is making this huge statement, I am the light of the world. And this is his second huge I am statement that we see in the book of John. The first one was I am the bread of life that we talked about a couple weeks ago. And here he is with his second one, I am the light of the world. So what I want to do today is I want to take some time and talk about the implications of that. When Jesus steps up and he says, I am the light of the world, what, is, what does he mean by that? There's a lot of implications. There's a lot of places we could go with that. But there's a few things that I want to talk about uh, that uh, I think are very specific to, to us. And so I want to speak to that as far as how that relates to you on a personal level, how that, what that means for us as a church, and maybe even what that means for the world. So the first thing that we see light do, is we we look at Jesus as the light of the world. The first thing that that means for us, if you take notes, write this down, Jesus as the light of the world, Jesus illuminates. That light illuminates. Have you ever been to like one of those department stores like a Macy's or something? You ever walked in there and you you walk through what I call the Isle of Death, which is the the, uh, makeup counters? You know what I'm talking about? You go in there, and they're like spraying you with, they're like spritzing you with cologne. You come out smelling like 16 different people and you're like, oh my gosh, I don't even like myself right now, right? And you, you walk through there. And anyways, they have these mirrors in there. And those mirrors, some of you ladies might have these, or men, I'm not, I don't discriminate, have, might have these in your, in your bathrooms. They have these mirrors that have these huge light bulbs on them and they like expand your face, you know? And so you look at them and they're, they're like sh- lighting up your face and you see things that you never wanted to see. You know what I'm talking about? Like, you're like, my nose is that big? Oh, my goodness, right? Or like, some of y'all are laughing too hard on that one. That's not that funny. Um, it, or like, you start to see like the pores. You're like, what are these black things in my, on my face, right? Like, you just see some things you never wanted to see. Well, that's because light illuminates. Light reveals. Light shows us the things that are there that we cannot see without it. The very very same thing that made me feel safe as a kid now terrifies me when I look in a mirror, right? Light illuminates. You can see because of it. So what does that mean for us as it pertains to Jesus? Well, Jesus as the light of the world reveals the Father To the world. If we were to keep on reading, you would see this conversation happen with Jesus and the Pharisees. And they kind of don't like the fact that he's calling himself the light because that means he's comparing himself to those attributes of God. He's saying, hey, I'm kind of like God here. And so they have this whole conversation. They argue a little bit. And at the end of it, Jesus says, you don't know the Father because you don't know me. What is he saying there? Myself, I as the light of the world, I reveal who the Father is to the world. I reveal God to the world. So if you know me, you're able to know the Father. You're able to understand the Father. You're able to see who the Father is through me. And so that's why it's so great that we have Scripture. We can watch, look at Jesus' life, and we can understand more about who God is through Jesus. If you knew who I was, you would know God because Jesus reveals the Father. Jesus illuminates the Father. And I'll say this for us as Christians or maybe someone who might not be a Christian in here, before we knew Jesus, before we had a relationship with God, I would say that our souls are walking in darkness. And we meet Jesus and there's this incredible thing that happens. I don't know how to describe it other than we we meet Jesus. Our souls kind of slam into him in one way or another and he reveals who God is to us. He reveals the Father to us. And it's like for the first time we can see. It's this incredible thing. It's for the first time we can see light. Jesus reveals God to the world. For the first time we can see. And as we walk with Jesus, as we grow in our relationship with God, more about who God is as revealed to us. As we grow deeper in our relationship, we begin to see him more, understand him more, know him more, the longer we walk with him, hopefully. As we walk with Jesus, he illuminates who God is and we know God more. I'd say it like this. Like the first time we meet Jesus, he awakens our souls and we begin to have a relationship with him if we repent of our sins and give our lives to him. And then we grow as we live our lives with him. It's kind of like this in a way. If, if, uh, if you were to go to me, Katie and I have been married for almost six years now. Got to get that one right. Almost six years now. And... Uh, If you were to come to me on our wedding day and say, Mike, do you know your wife? Absolutely, I know her. Absolutely, I get her. Absolutely, I know who she is. I understand her. I I know her fears, her likes, her dislikes, right? And that I wasn't wrong, right? It's true. The first time we meet God, it's kind of like that. And then as, but if you were to come to me now and you say, Mike, did that guy know Katie? I'd say, yeah, but that guy was an an idiot. The things he thought he knew, some of those things he was really wrong on. And what happens is as we've grown together over these last six years, I know her more, I understand her more, I get, like some things I thought she liked, I understand her extreme dislikes. Like, I thought she liked football. She tricked me. <laughs> I'm just kidding. She's, she's You know, you know I, had my, I had my suspicions. But as we've grown in our relationship together, I know her more, I understand her more, I get her. There's a depth to our relationship, and that's kind of what I want you to understand about Jesus as the light. He reveals God to you that initial time when you begin your relationship with Him, and then as you walk with Him, it gets deeper and deeper, and you understand Him more, and it's beautiful. So the first thing that the light does is reveals God to us, and I'll say this too to to you, Christian. If there's, if you're a Christian here, you become a representation of that light as well. As soon as you Stamp the word Christian on you. You become a representation of that light. And look, don't get it twisted. You're not the light, all right? Don't want to, no big heads. But you are a reflection of the light, right? And so I just want to, a little side note, a little warning. Make sure that's what is reflected in you is the light of the world, Jesus Christ, and not something else. So the first thing that light does is reveals God to us. The second thing that light does is the light provides life. This year, Katie planted a garden and she had this really great husband of hers who built some boxes for her so that she could put them in these, raised, in these raised boxes in our backyard. And one thing that she did, she did this totally opposite than I would have because I'm kind of, sometimes I'm the shoot first and then draw the bullseye around with the arrow lands kind of guy. But she, before she put the boxes in the backyard, she watched the sunlight for several days And she would go out there and she would look at how the sun hit the backyard in the morning, how the sun hit the yard at midday in the afternoon and at the evening. And she watched that carefully before she ever put the boxes out, before she ever planted the first thing. Why is that? Because light provides to those plants life and nourishment and growth. And she wanted to make sure that she put those boxes in the right place in our backyard so that they would receive the right amount of light. Because light provides life. When we meet Jesus, when we experience Jesus, when we begin a relationship with Jesus through salvation, we experience what I would say is true life for the first time. I think if you're a Christian here, you, you would have To agree with that. This is the, like, Jesus says, I've come to give you life and give it to the fullest. Like, there's something that clicks when we meet God. We have life in a way that we've never had it before. Ephesians 2 says, Before you met Jesus, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. And then there's that really cool phrase that says, But God, being rich in mercy, thank the Lord, right, has awakened us and given us life in Jesus Christ. So, there's that initial point where He provides life to us in a way we've never had it before. But I would say, I believe that it doesn't stop there. Like there's an awakening of our soul. There's a life that we have that we've never had before. But I believe after God um, gives us that, that life in our soul, I believe he wants to give life to your life. What I mean by that is that God, I believe, has put purpose in you I believe he's put dreams in you I believe he's put desires in you and he wants to awaken those things and give life to them and I want to say this there is nothing in our lives there's nothing better in our lives than every day becoming more and more the person that God created you to be and that in of itself I believe gives us life and adds value to every single day we walk on this earth and I believe that God has put gifts in you. I believe God has put abilities in you. I believe God has put dreams in you that he wants to cultivate and grow and use so that you can impact the world for his name's sake. Like we were singing that last, lo- that last song for his name, to glorify him, to show the world him. I believe he wants to use your life As a church, our goal, first and foremost, is to show the world Jesus. We want everyone who comes in our midst to meet God, to know God. We want you to be thinking about the people you work with. We want you to be thinking about your friends and be thinking, how can I show them God? But the second, another thing that we want to do as you meet God is we want to help you cultivate those dreams and those gifts and those abilities that God has put in you because we believe that those things give life to your life. Let me say it this way. We want to help you And I believe that God wants you to live a life for God that's on purpose, that's full of purpose, and is for a purpose. I believe that adds life to you. I believe that God has put dreams in your heart. And that might be nothing more. Like, you're thinking, oh, what's Mike saying? Like, I'm going to go be a missionary in Africa? I don't know, maybe, that would be awesome, right? But it could be different. What does God put in you that, that he's calling you to do and he's adding life to your life, that you would live life um, on purpose, for a purpose? There's this story I was reading about J.C. Penney this week. Y'all probably haven't heard of him. He made some stores or something. Um, but anyways, this guy J.C. Penney was a Christian. And they were talking to him one day about uh, just the people that worked for him. And they said, you know, can, a, can an average store clerk, guy that's stocking shelves, can he, can he change the world? Can he do anything? And his response was, show me a store clerk with a dream, and I'll show you someone that can change the world. But show me a man with no dream, and I'll show you a store clerk. I believe God's put dreams in you, passions in you, abilities in you that he wants to give life to that will make your life full of purpose for his purpose. Not your purpose, for his purpose But if we follow Jesus, if we walk with Jesus, his purpose is our purpose, right? Amen, Mike. Oh, Thanks, appreciate that. And I'll just say on that note, finally, um, if you want God to do those things, to cultivate those things in your life, pay attention to where you position yourself. Just like Katie as she was watching the backyard to figure out where am I going to put these boxes? Where's the best place for these boxes to receive light? You need to pay attention to where you're positioning your life, where you're spending your time, what you're doing with your resources so that you are positioning yourself in the best place where you can receive that light. Does that make sense? Like you need to be around people that will encourage that dream. You need to be around uh, uh, things that will put into you that you will learn more about how to achieve that dream that dream that are growing you, right? Spending time with Jesus so that he can continue to light that fire inside of you. You need to make sure that you're receiving that light. Where you position your heart, where you position your life, how you position your time, it matters. It matters. So the light reveals God, the light provides life, both salvation then adds life to our life. And the last thing that the light does is the light, it's the simplest one, you would think. The light chases away the darkness. When I was a teenager and and kind of in college, uh, there's this bridge that I used to go hang out on and it's over by my parents' house and it's above the highway. And so I'd go hang out at this bridge and, and it's really cool because I'd watch, you know, you see the cars go by and every once in a while 18, would come by and shake the bridge and that's a really cool feeling. Um, but sometimes, you'd, you know, you'd have those nights that would turn into early mornings and so every once in a while, a couple times, I'd get one of those nights that I got to watch the sunrise on that bridge and what was really cool or what always really stood out to me was one was, just how incredible that made you feel, like as you're watching it, how big that makes you feel, and at the same time, so tiny. It's, it's like this really cool feeling. But secondly, something that I always remember is watching over that horizon, watching kind of how as the sunlight seemed to chase away the shadows, right? Like over time, you watch, as, there's almost this line where you see this, the light and the darkness, and over time, the lightness would just kind of chase away that darkness. Light chases away darkness i remember as i was talking about being a kid right what did i love about that light if i'm if i'm sitting there in my room and i need that night light what did i love about it i didn't want the light i believed the light chased away the darkness and for whatever crazy reason as a kid i don't know where you get it from but maybe there's just something in us that gets this uh this this truth Like, I believe that, all right, wherever there's light in my bedroom, like the monsters or whatever I'm scared of, if it hits that, it's going to get it, man, right? Like, it's going to hit that light, and it's going to disappear or go up in smoke or something. But that light I knew protected me. That light kept me safe. That light, as it illuminated the darkness, it chased away the darkness. And I'll say this to you, and this is one we don't like talking about a whole lot, but as Jesus illuminates our soul, he's going to chase away some darkness in you. And he's, as he illuminates your soul, like, like me looking in that mirror in the store, I'm going to see some things I may not like. There's going to be some warts there that I may not like. And he's going to reveal some things about me that I may not want to admit to, that I may not want to see, right? What we call this in the church world is willful sin against God. And God's going to say, Mike, as I'm illuminating your soul, we've got to deal with this. And some of those things might be small, like it might be, Mike, you got to stop flipping off people when they cut you off in traffic. Not that I do that anymore. He talked to me about it, all right? I listened. Some of those things you might not have ever known you even had. There was this person I used to work with that drove me crazy, and then I heard this the, the phrase or whatever the quote is that what you oftentimes don't like in other people is because you have that own thing in yourself. You ever heard that? What you see in others that you despise is because you got that? And I heard that and I was like, you gotta be kidding me, right? Sometimes there's gonna be some things God's gonna reveal to you about yourself that you didn't even know were there. Sometimes he's gonna reveal things to you that are deeply entrenched in your soul that have deep roots, that have affected you, that have hurt you and may have been strangling you for years. And he's gonna say, we've gotta deal with this because the light chases away the darkness, and the light kills the darkness, the light kills sin. And it might hurt, and you might have to go make some apologies to some people, and you might have to repent to some people. I've had to do that to Katie before. Not, not a forgive her, but apologize to her. And God's gonna reveal those things to you, and he's gonna wanna kill them in you, and it might be hard, But hear me, Jesus has come to set you free. And so when he points these things out, when he illuminates these things in your soul, it's not to keep you a slave, it's to set you free from slavery. It's to set you free from those things that are strangling your soul, that are killing your relationships, that are hurting your relationship with God. He's come to set you free And as he illuminates, here's the thing you need to hear. It's up to your response as far as what he's going to do with it. It's up to your response. But know that he's come to set you free. And as a church, man, that's our heart for you as well. We want you to know God deeply. We want to help you find your purpose so you can live life to the fullest on purpose. And we want you to find freedom freedom from the things that are hurting you, freedom from the things that are killing you, freedom from the things that you might not even know are there, man. It's not so you can look perfect on the outside, but so God can set you free on the inside and so that you can live life to the fullest in Christ. We want to see you set free. One thing I love about this, on the flip side of that, though, as it relates to just the river church and the the church universal, the church all around the world, one thing about this truth that I love, right? The light reveals God. The light gives life. The light chases away darkness. And we want to be all of those things. And I get excited about all of those, but the one I was getting really excited about this week was the light chases away darkness. Because what this means for us as a church is that that's our calling too, Like, not just in your own lives. Like, I'm not just showing up at your door, knock, knock, knock. All right, there's some things we got to deal with. Let's chase away that darkness. What I'm talking about is the world on a grand scheme. The church is called the river church, the universal church is called to be darkness chasers. We're called to be warriors against the dark. What that means for us is that we have a calling to be a representation of the light of Jesus in the world. And that means that we don't just have to, but we get to fight injustice. We get to fight evil. We get to fight poverty. We get to fight suffering. We get to fight racism in our world. And we get to be warriors against the darkness. We get to be chasers of the darkness. And that means that we get to play this incredible part in God kicking the butt of Satan. Amen. It's really cool. (laughs) We get to fight against the evils of this world, and we get to stand up for what's right, and we get to step out with courage, and we get to be chasers of the night, and God's going to use your life and our life and our church to do that. And sometimes the world's not going to get that, right? Like as you begin to talk about what God does in people's lives, like, like the world, like the Pharisees didn't understand a lot of things about Jesus. They didn't understand him calling himself the light. And he says, because you don't know God, you don't understand who God is. But as a church, we get this really incredible calling to do this. And the world might not get it all the time. Like why would you go to Asia and sacrifice your life to show someone the gospel? Well, Jesus, that's why. Why would you love the unlovable? Why would you spend your money to adopt a child that has no family? Jesus, because God has called us to be warriors against the dark, to be warriors against the evils of this world. Like there's one of my heroes, this guy I've never even met. I just follow him on Instagram. That's like a new age thing, right? He's, he's one of my heroes, and what this guy does is his job, his life, he spends his life going to other countries and posing as a, someone who buys uh, children and women out of trafficking. And so what he does is he goes over there, he risks his life to pose as a buyer for women who are in trafficking, and what happens is he goes in, he meets the, the people who are selling these, these children, these women, and then he gets arrested and beaten by the cops. That sounds awesome, doesn't it? And there's this picture that he has on his uh, Instagram of him laying on the ground with his face on the ground, somebody holding his head down, with his his hands tied behind his back, and he says, this is one of the proudest moments of my life. Because what he does is he works with the authorities to go pose as a buyer and then get arrested with, with the rest of those scumbags. He's chasing the dark, man. He's fighting injustice. And what I love about that is that's what we're called to do as a church. Now, I'm not sending you over there to do that. You know, that's something you got to do on your own. But I was talking to a a guy who, another guy who's kind of becoming a hero of mine a couple weeks ago, and he was telling this story with another guy. They were just like laughing. They're like, hey, remember that time about 10 years ago when whenever we heard about those guys that were going over to Cuba to help get another one, get people out of uh, uh, trafficking? And you were like, hey, wouldn't that be fun to go over there and get arrested for Jesus? And I was like, no. But then we did it and got arrested for Jesus and it was awesome. What a cool mindset, man. God's called us to fight darkness. And people aren't always going to understand. that. aren't always going to get it, but we're going to do it. And I believe as a church, we are doing it. Like, like one thing that people don't necessarily always understand about us is as a, as a young church plant, we're not even totally self-sufficient yet. And yet we give away 10% of every tithes and offering that we get to our community. Why? Because we want to fight poverty in our community. We want to fight people in need in our community. We want to do our part as a church to love our community and show that light and fight darkness in our community. It's a really cool thing that we get to do and get to be as a church. And so I want to encourage you. As Jesus is our light, as Jesus is the light of the world, he reveals God, he provides life, he chases the darkness. I want to encourage you to let him do all of those things in your life, and I want to encourage you and call you to pick up your own sword, pick up your own spear, and let's go chase the dark together. Father, I love you. Thank you so much for what we get to do and what we get to be as Christians. Jesus, thank you that you are the light of the world, and in you there is no darkness. Thank you for the fact that we get to walk with you. Thank you for the fact that that we get to be chasers of the dark, that we get to be warriors against the dark. And God, I pray that as you give purpose to our lives, if you call us to something big, as you transform who we are, God, I pray that you would make us men and women who live on purpose and for your purpose, that our life would be about something bigger than us that would be about revealing your light to the world. Jesus, make us warriors against the dark, warriors against Satan, warriors against the injustice of our world. God, we want to glorify you, and we want to honor you, and we want our world to see you. Father, make us brave. It's in Christ's name I pray, amen.